You can become, you can find direction, you can find guidance. The Lord can speak to you and touch you in such a special way at a conference. But it's not the conference that really is going to determine whether or not you will want to be saved. The conference is a catalyst. But salvation, if you want to continue, if you want to call it that, salvation is going to continue not when you're in this atmosphere that we're going to be in tonight and the rest of this week. But what's going to determine whether or not you are going to be saved is how you live on Monday. What's going to determine if you're going to make it all the way is what you do with the preaching that you hear throughout this conference. What you allow the Lord to do in your life. I want to read from just two passages of scripture. The first passage is 2 Chronicles chapter number 25. 2 Chronicles chapter number 25. <clears throat> hallelujah. 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 Oh, we need the Lord in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I'll just read that one. It said, in, And Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 20 and 9 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And for those of you who don't necessarily have your Bibles with you tonight. Uh, I wish that I could say that that was the end of verse number two, but it's not. The Bible says that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. But not with a perfect heart. Oh, Father, we need you in this place. God, would you anoint us? Lord, if you would just speak to one young person in this house tonight. God, you sent me here. I've got an assignment to, to tell somebody, oh Lord, a word from you, God. Have your way in this place. I give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. You may be seated tonight. This message actually, or if this story actually starts in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter number 24, it talks about uh, King Joash, uh, king of Judah. And how he reigned, the Bible says, it makes us to know that he did that which was right, right in the eyes of the Lord as long as the priest was alive. As long as Jehoiada was alive, he did exactly what was required of him. He did, uh, he, did he prayed, he, he did the, the duties that we are accustomed uh, to a king performing as long as the man of God was in his life. It's amazing how many people live for God for years and years and years and years until a man of God and their life passes away. It's amazing how faithful people are when that man of God is standing behind the pulpit and, and at times uh, time progresses, that man of God who once heralded the word of the Lord must go on to meet his own maker. And it's amazing how many people fall to the side. How many people, I know so many people that after a pastor resigned a church or after a man of God passed on, you find, you go back years later and see how many of those saints still remain. And unfortunately, many of them are not still there. Many of them still don't believe. Many of them are no longer abiding in truth any longer. 
Thank God for good men of God and we need them. You need a man of God in your life. You cannot be saved without a man of God preaching you the word of the Lord. But you've got to get your own relationship with Jesus Christ. The story goes on to tell us that after the death of Jehoiada and we find out that Joash gets involved in some sin and Zechariah begins to talk and, and speak as the men of God always do. And uh, we, find that Jehoiada, uh, we find that Joash allowed Zechariah to be killed and uh, we understand that God pronounced judgment against Joash. We find out that later on in Joash's life, he, uh, after the Syrians have come down and, and they've left him with diseases and he was lying upon his bed and his own servants, because he allowed Zechariah to be killed, his own servants conspired against him to take his life and that they did. Then we come down to chapter number 25 and it tells us that Amaziah was 20 and 5 years when he began to reign. He didn't, I'm sure he wasn't expecting to be king the day that his father died but this responsibility was thrusted upon him and he had to take on the kingdom. He had to lead this kingdom. He had to give the kingdom direction. He was now responsible for enforcing the laws of the land. And the Bible says that in the beginning he did that which was pleasing. He did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible lets us know that he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. But he did it without a perfect heart. He, and that, let, me, let me make you to understand that he did this for a long period of time. He went on doing what was right for the wrong reasons for a long period of time. He didn't lose his life. He didn't lose his kingdom immediately when he took hold of the kingdom. But we understand it took 29 years for this to play itself off. But eventually the Bible lets us know that he forsook God. All because he did the right thing with the wrong kind of heart. We understand that he was, he, uh, after the kingdom was established, the Bible says that he slew the servants that slew his father, but he did not slay their children according to the law of Moses. He did that, and that was right in the eyes of the Lord. And the Bible tells us that he was given, he had to do something. He had a task to perform, and that task was to, uh, to, to destroy the Edomites and he went to battle and he gathered 300 men of, of Judah and he also hired out of uh, Israel 100,000 men for 100 shekels of silver and uh, he went, uh, he was going on his way and the man of God came to him and told him no you can't go with the 100,000 men of Israel for God is not with them. And he did, and he allowed, he listened to the man of God. He did not go up with the 100,000 men. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but without a perfect heart. He asked the man of God, what am I going to do about this 100 shekels of silver that I paid for these mercenaries? What am I to do? And the man of God simply told him, God is able to provide you more than that. And I want to tell some young person in this place, yes, there are some things, there's some people, there's some places you're going to have to cut out if you want to live for God. There's some things that you've got to leave behind if you're going to go all the way with Jesus. But God is able. I said God is able. I said he's more than able to provide you more than what you lost. 
He's more than able. He's more than able. You said, I've got to give up friends. God will give you more friends. You said, I've got to go away from family. Sometimes a family is the very ones that take people down. Sometimes it's mothers and fathers and sisters and cousins and aunts that grab a hold of people. People love family rather than loving Jesus Christ. And they find themselves on their way to hell. He's more than able to supply that. And we find the day that Amaziah went to war with the Edomites. And the Bible said that he slew 10,000 of them. And then he took 10,000 more and he marched them to a cliff. And they fell down to their death. He did that and that was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he did it all without a perfect heart. I want to tell you today that it's easy to do the right thing for all the wrong reasons. It's easy if we want to be, if you would be honest tonight, it's easy to be a hypocrite in the apostolic church. I, 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 didn't come to st- I didn't come to play games with you. I'm telling you, it's easy to hide among the true believers of God. It's easy to sing the songs of Zion and do it without a perfect heart. I said it's easy to play on the organ and to play it without a perfect heart. Many of you have been in Pentecost longer than I've been alive. Or you were born, you were raised in the church. And you know what to do, how to do it, and when to do it. And you've learned how to do it without a perfect heart. You've learned how to sing and you've learned how to shout. You've learned how to dance without a prayer life. You've learned how to get down. You've learned how to worship. You know when to lift your hands. You know when to lift your voice. But you still have not found a place in prayer yet. You still have not found a place of consecration yet. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy to be a hypocrite in the apostolic church. I'm telling you, Hollywood has come into the church. I'm not talking about just TVs and that's that. That's coming into the church. But I'm talking about we've raised a generation of play actors. We've raised a generation of people who know how to ta-ta-ta, but they don't know Jesus. We've raised a generation that knows how to dance and clap their hands, they don't know Jesus. It's easy. It's easy to give in the offering every time the offering plate comes by and do it without a perfect heart. It's easy to lead praise and worship at your church and do it without a perfect heart. It's easy to give to missions. It's easy to come to church 30 minutes before service and pray and do it without a perfect heart. I'm just simply telling the truth tonight. I want somebody, I want a young person to be helped today. Because you know what? It's easy to come to Akron 2009 and you're dressed up. You've got your best attire on. You've got your best dress and your best suit on, but you've come without a perfect heart. You're sitting next to your friends and your family and there's a, you, you came in. There's somebody in this place that showed up and you're hanging on by a frayed thread. There are people that have come into this house and you're running on empty. But you sit here and act like everything is good. You sit here and, and, and before everybody and you're acting like there's nothing wrong. Yes, there is something wrong. There's a problem with your soul. I said there's a problem with your soul. I want, is there any young person that will be real tonight? One young person is all I'm after. I'm coming for you, young man. God is asking me to tell you, you don't have to leave here empty like you came. 
God wants to do a mighty work in this conference. He wants to do great things in your life. But it doesn't start tomorrow. It starts tonight. It starts with somebody getting real with God. It starts with somebody being serious and honest with Jesus tonight. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You learn. You learn after, after years. and You learn how to go through the motion. You learn how to kneel down and close your eyes and say a few words and make people think you're praying without a perfect heart. You say, why am I getting on? Why are you so stirred up? I'm stirred up because you have to understand that God is not looking on how you dress. God is not looking on how many times you pray. God is not looking on how many times you fast, how much you give, and what you do in the kingdom. God looks on the heart. He looks on the heart. It doesn't matter how much, how you did your hair tonight. It doesn't matter how well kept you are. God is looking at your heart. What is the state? What is the condition of your heart tonight, young man, young lady? We focus so much on the outside. We focus so much on what we do. I'm telling you, let me, if you don't hear anything else, hear this. God is more concerned, young man, young lady. He's more concerned with who you are than what you do. He's more concerned with who you are than what you do. It's not enough just to pray. He wants you to pray with all your might. It's not enough to live for God alone. He wants you to live for him with your whole heart. He's concerned about who you are. In the book of Matthew, the Lord said that there was a voice that came from heaven. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. Before he did any miracle, God was pleased with him. Before he opened up the blind eyes, God was pleased in him. Before he unstopped not one deaf ear, God was pleased with him. Before he did one miracle on this earth, the Lord was pleased in him. And that's what God wants out of you tonight. God wants to be pleased in you. In you. We've raised a generation of young people that know how to do and know how to perform all the outward acronyms. But they don't know how to walk and live through the spirit. They don't know how to live and it's not even it's not even desirous of them. I'm telling you young person the reason why you're struggling day day in and day out is because you failed to learn how to walk in the spirit. God is coming back. God wants a spiritual young people. Look at me like you're crazy. I'm telling you the truth. Many of young people that, that are planning on going to heaven won't make it. Because you've got to be spiritual to make it to heaven. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues only. Yes, you need to speak in tongues. But you can speak in tongues and be carnal. You can, be, you can speak in tongues and have a wrong spirit. You can speak in tongues and have a bad attitude. God is looking at your heart today. Your heart, your heart, your heart. What is the condition of your heart today? Is the Lord well pleased in you tonight? Is he pleased with you tonight? Is he pleased with you tonight? You know, 
we can learn the Bible says in Matthew it says you hypocrites well did Isaiah prophesy of you saying this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips but their heart is far from me you're in the house tonight you're sitting here your body is here but your heart is only is somewhere across town you left your heart back in the state that you came from some of you if you're some of you if you're not careful you'll spend more time planning how what outfits you're going to wear this week as opposed to how God is going to move in your life some of you are desperate to please people. I'm not saying you shouldn't look your best. But some of you, if you're not careful, you'll be desperate to appear that everything is right. You'll learn how to gloss everything over. And you'll try to make everybody in the house believe that you're doing good. That you're spiritual. That you're praying. That you're on top. That you're victorious. When God knows where you are tonight. I said, God knows where you are tonight. And he told me to tell you, you don't have to leave here the same way you came. You don't have to leave here play acting. I tell you, I remember when the first time I felt the call to preach, I was with Brother Rusty Smith. At a, at a, he was preaching somewhere, and I felt that, my God, if I didn't tell somebody the gospel that I was going to go to hell, it was just on me so much. And Brother, uh, Brother Smith told me to tell Brother Townley because Brother Townley would know if I had a call or not. And when I went to him and I, I told him, and Brother Townley already felt it, and I, I, you know, foolishly, I thought I was prepared and ready for ministry. I thought I was ready for the big time ministry. Give me the youth group. And uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to whip them into shape. I'm ready to preach to them. I'm ready. And they'll all be on their face and they'll all be spiritual people. But he didn't start me out there. He gave me the children's church. And uh, I had Rocky and I had D and I had... The Alan Bailey's girls and I had this just, when I walked in for the first time, it was like Animal House. They were doing their own thing and yelling and screaming. I had two boys fighting and they were best friends, but they would fight all the time. And I had a set of twins that tried to tell me what to do and what they were going to do. And they were all the while standing on top of a table. And uh, I was supposed to t teach these young people the word of the Lord. I was supposed to get together a children's choir with this ragtag group of children. But by God's grace and his mercy, that I saw God work, not because of me, but in spite of me. And God brought together a beautiful group of children for his glory. And just when I got used to them, just when I got to love them, just when I loved doing that, he said, now I want you to work with the young people. And oh, brother... I had no earthly idea what I had been talking about before. But I began to work with young people. And I was a young person. I love young people and I still do. I'll tell you, the problems as a youth leader or a youth pastor, I've had more problems out of parents than I have children or young people. Uh, young people as a whole can somehow, they have, they have a quality that older people or adults just don't have anymore. But I, over the years, I've seen this quality Faith. I've seen this quality change over time and not just in my youth group or uh, I've talked to other young youth pastors and, and youth leaders, you know, around the country and they've seen it as well. And 
something has changed in, in how young people are coming up these days. And the thing that I loved about young people so much, I see it fading away. And that's the ability to be honest and real. I, I, I can't believe it blows my mind. Now, it used to be you could go to a young person and talk and say, how, how are you living and, you know, are you praying? And they'll say, no, I'm not praying. I, I, I've been acting crazy. I, I haven't prayed. I haven't this. And I, my thoughts have been crazy. But now if you go to them and you ask them are they praying, they'll lie to you. Or they'll tell you they're praying, but that 10 minutes a day or, you know, 20 minutes a week type of stuff, they won't be real with you as much. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, they, they've, learned to, they've learned the ways of their parents now. They learned it from somebody. It didn't, they didn't just make it. But they, as a whole, young people, for whatever reason, feel the need to pretend. They feel the need to pretend in church. They, can't, they feel like they can no longer be real and their youth group. They can no longer share the, 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 that they're going through something, that they're struggling. That young people in this place, that you're afraid, you're so afraid to show where you really are in God. Some of you are, it's the biggest thing or the biggest deterrence to this is this word called pride. Some of you are so full of pride, it's unbelievable. I'm not trying, I'm not trying to browbeat, I'm just telling the truth. Your pride is going to cause you to be lost if you're not careful. Some of you are so, you, you, you want to play the organ more than you want to be right with God. It would do some of you good to go and confess some things to your pastors and say, Pastor, I haven't been living right. Pastor, I'll be honest with you. I'm here, but I'm cold as ice in my heart. I haven't been measuring up to what the church preaches. I've been cold. I've been, I've been lukewarm for a long time. I, it's been so long since I touched God. And some of you are so afraid. You, you'd, rather have your, you'd rather have your position in church doing what you do than to be pleasing before God. I want to know if there's one young person that will be honest with the Lord tonight. I wonder if there will be one young person from all over this country that will be honest with the Lord tonight. About where you are tonight. About where you are tonight. I know we're going to have an awesome move of God the rest of this week, but I come to preach to you tonight. Where are you? Where are you? What is the state of your heart tonight? We know the story, we know the city. The city is Bethany. We know the location. The location is the house of Simon the Pharisee. We know that Simon was there and the disciples were there and Jesus was there. And at this meeting of minds, they were having a meeting or having fellowship, whatever you want to call it. And all of a sudden, there was an interruption. All of a sudden, somebody showed up unannounced, uninvited, but undeterred. This person showed up 
It was a woman, by the way, and she shouldn't have been there. She should not have been in the presence of all these men. But she was undeterred. She showed up in the house, but she didn't come empty-handed. She came bearing an alabaster box that had in it spikenard and all of the smell stuff. And she came in the Bible in one version, or one verse said that she break open that box. And she poured it unto the Lord. Then she broke all tradition with what she did next. The Bible says that she began to cry and to weep. And she began to kiss his feet. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and with her hair. And at that time, women were not supposed to let down their hair in public. So when she let down her hair, she was being completely honest and transparent. She was, being, uh, she was saying that I don't care about tradition. I'm not concerned with what Simon thinks. I'm not concerned. And yet Simon said that if the Lord had been some prophet, he would have known that she's a sinner. She knew who she was where she was she knew the life and they knew the life that she had lived but she got to a point that it didn't matter what other people thought about her it didn't matter even though this was a formal gathering and she shouldn't have done it the bible says that she let down her hair and began to wash his feet with her hair she came and she broke before the Lord she broke before the Lord and I want to tell somebody tonight that God wants to do amazing things in your life this week it's been a long time since you really felt the power of God moving in your life on a consistent or sustaining you've prayed through Sunday morning or maybe Sunday night and by Tuesday morning what you prayed through the, 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 power of the, the power of the Holy Ghost is no longer on your life at that time it's almost like you're, you're pouring, oil, pouring oil into a vessel that's, that has cracks and crevices and you don't feel God the way you used to some of you are cold as ice but you're still going through the motions I want to know that there be one young person who will be real tonight would there be one young person, even though this is a banquet, even though you're sitting next to the people from your church or people you've just met and everybody looks so good and everybody looks so nice and everybody, everybody is dressed the way they're supposed to be. I want to know, would there be just one young person that would say, I'm willing to let my hair down tonight. I'm willing to break before the Lord tonight I'm willing to stand before the congregation and then I'm willing for them to know that I need Jesus tonight I can't make it until tomorrow morning I've come here hanging on a thread I've come here and I look all together good on the outside but my heart is not perfect my heart is not where it needs to be in God tonight if somebody's coming to the music I want to tell a young person as we're standing, young man, God has got a breakthrough for you. To, he's got a breakthrough for you. 
But I want to tell somebody that your breakthrough is tied to your brokenness. Your breakthrough is tied to your brokenness. You can stand in your pride if you want to. And God will pass you by. But if you will be honest with the Lord tonight. I know it's a banquet. I know you've got to go to your room and prepare. But just for a minute. Just for a minute. I promise. I wish I could have preached something else. That's something to make you shout or something to, to this, this, this. But this is what the Lord has laid on my heart, young person. He's laid on my heart that you've come empty. And there's no reason for you to leave that way. You've come and you're not where you should be. And there's no reason why you should leave that way. I just want to know. At the start of this youth conference, if you consider it the start. But my God, tomorrow will be the official start of this youth conference. I want to know. Is there one young person who will be willing to break tradition and come and say that I'm empty and I want God to fill me? Will there be one young person tonight that will say, that will be honest with yourself and that will be honest with God and you will say, I'm here. I made it to Akron 2009 again. I'm here. But my outside does not reflect what's going on in the inside. I wonder if there would be one young person who would be honest and say that I'm struggling. I came here struggling. I came here struggling. I've been bound. And nobody knows it. Nobody knows where I am because I pretended for so long. I pretended for so long that I don't really know what the power of God really feels like. I don't really know what it feels like to live in victory. I've worn this mask for so long that I don't know how to be real anymore. But tonight, but tonight, I want to tell God, tonight I come to tell Jesus, heart, oh God. I want to be real, I want to have a heart toward you again, I want to love you again, I want to serve you the right way again, Change my heart. I don't want to go to sleep tonight with my heart in this condition. I don't want to go to sleep tonight with my heart in this state. Oh God, it's me. my heart.